like us to take maybe about 15 minutes just to meditate in Psalm 27. Um, as much as possible, I want to make this a non-personal psalm. And I'm going to tell you why I have to do that, because I want to be able to get through this message. Uh, different psalms take on different value, or we appreciate them at different times. And prior to my son being deployed to Iraq, when they were visiting, this was the last psalm or message that I presented. I know it has been one of my son Joe's favorites. And with that, it was one that I found very special for that time that he was there. Because it was constantly a prayer that I was praying for him. And I rejoice that he is able to praise the Lord in the land of the living. As this psalm so wonderfully expresses. We think of David and we remember a man with great courage, don't we? And what I appreciate about David is he's a man with great courage under fire. It's one thing for us to boast about how strong we are in the Lord and we can stand firm in what we can do. But what we all face are problems and difficulties in life. And just like we sang in so many of the opening hymns, we can identify with that. Because there are times when we reach the end of our hoarded resources. We feel like there's no strength left to cope with whatever's coming. And the beauty is that God continues to give and give and give again. Our God is faithful like the waves of the sea. And He showers us with the richness of His blessing and His grace. And here David says that as I am going through the fire, I am going through that time of great difficulty, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. And though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear, though, I, though war arise against me in spite of this. I will be confident. We need to remember that when David wrote these psalms, he was writing them out of the experiences that he was facing. And we look at David and we recognize that as a teenager, when the armies of Israel were cowering before the uh, mocking of Goliath, David went forth in the name of the Lord. And we all can recount that story of him as a boy bringing, about, uh, bringing down the champion of the Philipp, uh, Philistines and then give the uh, emboldening uh, spirit to the army of Israel to fight against them. We also recognize that David in his life was a man that never f experienced defeat in all of the battles that he undertook. That God gave, gave him victory when he was the commander-in-chief of the armies of Israel under Saul and also when as king over Israel he was still involved in directing military activity. And sometimes we uh, get the impression that David never knew fear. 
that David was never anxious, that somehow there was a fortitude of courage within David, and he never was concerned about what may happen. And you've never read Psalm 27. Because David is praying this psalm when he says his enemies are surrounding him and wanting to devour his flesh. And he's been praying and asking God for deliverance and it seems like God's not answering and God's not taking care of him in this time of difficulty. Notice he says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you did say, seek my face, my heart said to thee, your face, O Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me, nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. Verse 12, do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have arisen against me, and such as breed out violence. Psalm 27 was a psalm where David recounts the thoughts of his heart in the midst of a life-threatening situation. It could have been when he was running from Saul. It could have been in a time of battle when it seemed as if uh, the enemy was getting the upper hand. It could have been when David had to run from the armies of Israel because of the coup of his son Absalom. But in whatever be the case, David pours out his heart and asks God to hear and not to abandon him or forsake him, but to give him deliverance. Psalm 27 is a psalm that was written by David when he was facing struggles in life and he had nowhere else to turn. That he couldn't look to his own resources for the victory or the deliverance from his problem. And God makes sure every one of us come to the same situation. He wants us to know that when we're weak, we're really strong. Isn't that what Paul said? I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm not going to start bragging about how smart I am, how much weight I can lift, how fast I can run, how capable I am. You know, the Lord gave Paul that thorn in the flesh to humble him so that he began to understand that the success you enjoy, Paul, is not because of the utilization of your own resources, but because my grace is sufficient for you. And every one of us, God in His loving kindness, brings us to the brink where we feel like we're overwhelmed and there's no deliverance, and then God intervenes and shows us that He's the one that's been watching over, taking care of us throughout the whole circumstance. Times when we feel like when we pray, God doesn't answer. The problem doesn't go away. And it may not be that you and I are facing situations where we're encamped around by an enemy army and there's, there's no way to escape. They've got us surrounded. Uh, we may not be in the, that situation, but we may be struggling with you know, personal issues, health issues, financial issues. And it seems like no matter how hard we try, it doesn't get any better. And we ask God to show us the way to go. And like David, we say, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the level path because of my foes. And there doesn't seem to be an answer. 
the problem doesn't go away. It isn't that God has abandoned his people. He is still working everything together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But he's teaching us far greater lessons. And that's the excellency of his greatness and the sufficiency of our God. This psalm is a lament psalm. And for those that have been coming to our 9.30 hour and joining us as we have been working our way through the Psalms. Um, We're at Psalm 23 right now, if you'd like to join us. But we recognize in the Hebrew culture and for the people of God as we have it, a lament psalm is a psalm where the individual is expressing his sorrow, his grief, and what seems to be an overwhelming, you and I would say, a hopeless situation. But what we always find in the Lament Psalms is there is included statements of praise and encouragement. Because for the people of God, there is no circumstance that is hopeless. Daniel learned that in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in what should have been certain death in a fiery furnace. And you and I far too often look at things from a natural standpoint instead of recognizing we have a supernatural God who just speaks and it comes into existence. Isn't that right? God never breaks out in a sweat. When you're facing problems in life, he's not staying up all night pacing the floor. His stomach isn't turned into knots and he isn't getting ulcers because your problem is so big and he's not sure how to take care of it. There's the majestic glory of our God and there is no circumstance for God's people that is a hopeless circumstance. So how does David express that in his song? Well, first he expresses his confidence and that's verses 1 through 3. And his confidence is in the personal God. Notice Lord is all capital letters. That God who is the creator who has made covenant promises to his people. Lord, all capitals. Yahweh. Yahweh is my light. Now when we look at the idea of light, we're looking at something that is pure. We're looking at something that's good and wholesome and beneficial. But it is also looking at something that's delightful. Yahweh is my goodness, my delight, my pleasure. All that is beneficial. He is also my salvation. He's the one that breaks through and leads me out of that place of confinement. He is the one that delivers me from the pressures and the problems that I face. So whom will I fear? See, we're looking at a circumstance, and in David's case, an army that seemed to be overwhelming, but it doesn't matter how many of the resources of the earth are marshaled together, they are absolutely nothing in comparison to our God. Isaiah brought that out in Isaiah 40. What are the nations of the earth? They are like a drop in the bucket. They are like the dust on the scale. They are absolutely, and I'll take you to Ecclesiastes, vanity. They are absolutely meaningless. They are absolute nothingness. That all of the energy and the power of this universe is insignificant in comparison to the power of God. And so he says, the Lord is the defense. And that word translated defense, he is the refuge. 
He's the one in which I find my sense of well-being. He is the one that protects and watches over me as I go through the difficulties in life. <coughs> so first, David expresses his confidence. Then, in verses 4 through 6, his confession. And that confession is where David says, you know what I really pray about? You want to know what's really important for me? You want to know the one thing that is always first on my lips? See, you and I are more concerned about God's blessings to us than we are about the blesser. We look at our, our health issues, we look at our financial issues, we look at all the problems we face, and often our prayers become laundry lists of God help us with these things. Now, God does tell us to ask, but we need to remember we're not asking because he needs to be informed. He knows what we need before we ever ask. But the reality is prayer is designed by God for us to have the opportunity to recognize there is something greater than God fulfilling our need, and that is God himself. And the one thing that David yearned for more than anything else was a deepening of his relationship with God. That's the summation of verses 4 through 6. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that's what I'm drive, driven for. That's what I will seek. Sounds almost like Paul in the book of Philippians, doesn't it? What did he say drove him? That I may know him. And David said, in the circumstances of life, as God is watching over me and taking care of me and teaching me, what I have come to realize is that knowing God and having deep fellowship and communion with Him, of understanding more of the majestic glory of His person, is far more important than all the other prayer requests that I'll make of Him. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I'll see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to meditate in His temple, because he's the one in the time of trouble who watches over me, protects me. In other words, the more I cultivate my relationship with God, the more I have courage under fire. The more I have stability when the problems come. That's why David is going to give counsel in a psalm where he says, uh, therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you at a time when you may be found because when the flood comes you won't be overwhelmed if you wait to pray in the midst of the problem you're going to be blown out of the water but you need to be cultivating that relationship with God during the times when you can draw near to him now in David's mind meditating in God's temple had to do with the place God had designated for Israel for His name to dwell. And the purpose of that temple, Jesus told part of it, my house is to be a house of what? Prayer. But it was also the place of instruction where individuals would study the Scriptures, where they grow in their understanding of God's revelation. What does David say? He is saying what is of greatest importance to me, what is my first priority, is to deepen my relationship with God and my understanding in God's Word. My spiritual well-being is more important than my temporal needs. Then in verses 7-12, through 12, he cries to God and asks God to help him 
And then in verses 13 through 14, he expresses his confidence and his counsel. And David says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of Yahweh in the land of the living. And while David understood that he was surrounded by an an army that was just seeking his destruction, God is the one that would deliver him. And he would be again in his place of blessing and position in the land of the living. In other words, God would preserve his life. And he would go forth with the people of God in the celebration of praise with the nation of Israel. And so what's the counsel that comes from this psalm? Well, as Joe and I prayed together, it's that last verse. When you're in the time of extreme danger, what is it you need to do? Wait on the Lord. You need to look expectantly to God to watch over, to take care of you, to protect and preserve you. And as every one of us face trials and problems in life, it's not any different. Our resources will never be adequate. No human being can bring about the solutions to your problems, my problems, the world's problems. The only one who will bring about the solution is the one who is coming again. That is Jesus Christ. And while we await his coming, you can be certain your life is going to be filled with turmoil and trouble. But thankfully, that turmoil and trouble is always under the sovereign good pleasure of God. And he is only bringing to pass in your life what better prepares you for glory and is for your good. So wait for the Lord. That word wait means look expectantly. It doesn't mean just sit back like a spectator. But as you go through life and expend your energies, look expectantly for what God is going to do. As Isaiah would say, those that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. They run and they don't grow weary. They walk and they do not faint. Because God is the one that infuses energy and strength and fortitude and courage within His people. Be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait on the Lord. It's one thing for any one of us to talk about how mature we are in Christ. But I want to tell you where the rubber meets the road. It's when we go through those times of great difficulty and we have no resources in ourselves. Have we really deepened and cultivated our relationship with the Lord so we don't crumble and give in like is true with the people of the world? Do we recognize that God is truly our refuge and strength and that ever-present help in trouble? Have I really been cultivating that relationship with Him? Can I say with David, my prayer priority and this is what I will seek? 
that I may deepen my relationship with the Lord, that I may behold His beauty and His splendor, that I may know more of His greatness, and I can meditate in His temple, that I can get into His Word and learn more of Him. So there is that realization of a resource within me that God provides for His people. When I study the individuals of the past, it isn't that these were great men of faith, These were individuals who were feeble just like us. But they were individuals who trusted in a great, all-sufficient God who could say with David, God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge of my life. Of whom will I dread? May God cause us to so grow in our intimacy with Him that when we find ourselves under fire, when we find ourselves in conflicts and difficulties that are overwhelming to us, we don't crumble like the people of this earth, but we bear a testimony to the sufficiency of God because they see in us a courage that you cannot explain by natural causes but the reality of when I am weak as Paul said that's when I'm truly strong because God infuses the courage to enable his people to stand let's pray